0: Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Steve Huffman. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church. It's good to see you all this morning. also want to say hello to Grape Road, who's joining us. Hopefully, you're having a great time up there. Uh, I want to start in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, if you want to grab a Bible, there's Bibles under your chair. You can use your phone, or it will also be on the screen. Matthew chapter 15, but I need to get us to a certain spot, and I need some help. So here's a couple of questions for you. Have you ever been in your house and you've been talking and you're asking a question and you realize no one's there? The person that you were talking to has left the room. Has anybody experienced that? Yes, I have experienced that enough that I'm starting to answer myself in the third person. I will be talking, asking a question, realize that no one is there. They were there just a minute ago. And so I just answer, Steve, that is brilliant. That is the best answer ever. So uh, answering yourself in the third person, you can do that. But here's the question for you all. How long should we wait when we text someone for their response to come back in? Can we just make a vineyard rule? Because, right, you text someone, and even some people have the read receipt on, and so you could tell that they read it, and they're not answering. What are you doing? Are you a maniac? You see that I texted you and no answer. So can we can we just come up with a rule? Is it like 15 minutes? I'll give you grace, 15 minutes, but come on, you got to answer. Can we do that? So this week I, I took my car in, and I uh, I needed a ride to work and so I texted someone to hey do you think you could pick me up tomorrow we have a meeting anyway pick me up it'll be great and so I texted them and nothing in response I thought okay they're probably busy and so I waited and I waited and I waited and my frustration level kept climbing a little bit and then at uh, 9 40 p.m. I finally realized I got to make another plan and make another plan. Do you know when the person answered? The original person, 7:40 the next morning. Super helpful. Thanks for that. Right? So, here's a question that I'm thinking about. I want you to think about. It. Here's a question. What's our reaction when we don't get the response we want? What's your reaction? Mine is sometimes frustration, sometimes it's a little challenging. I wish you'd answer. I want to make a quick spiritual shift in the room right at the top of this message. What is our response when we pray, but we don't get the answer we want? When we pray for those things that are just, you need them, you need God to show up, but we either get silenced, there's absolutely no answer, or we get a no or an unexpected. What's your response? The reality is Scripture tells us that God doesn't always respond and sometimes doesn't respond in the way we want him to. God does not answer 100% of my prayers with, sure, Steve, let's do that. Does anybody else you pray and 100% of the time God answers it? Because if that's you, you need to come up and preach this sermon. You know, even in Scripture we find that God doesn't always answer. Here's a couple of examples in the Old Testament. Saul... There's a guy in the Old Testament. He's about ready to go into war. He's praying, God, what should we do? Should we go out and do this war thing? And here's what, 1 Samuel 14, 37, here's what happens. But God did not answer him that day. God was silent during that day. And Saul needed God to show up, and yet God was just silent. It's actually one of two places in Saul's life that he prays to God in earnest prayer. And God doesn't answer him that day. If you read any of the Psalms, you'll realize David, who wrote many of the Psalms, wrote in the Psalms that God doesn't answer all the time. Here's one example, Psalm 22.2. Two, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. Like it's, it's biblical. Sometimes God does not answer. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 12 Paul, some of you might be familiar with this verse. Paul says this, I was given a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what that is exactly. Was it a person? Was it an ailment? You just don't know what it is. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He didn't just stop his prayer once to God. He pleaded three times, will you take it away, and he still had it reality shocker when we pray to God he doesn't always answer or answers in some other unexpected way which can be frustrating and I'll share a story in a little bit that can be personally really challenging so why doesn't God answer our prayers the way we want Now, we can pick up hundreds of books outside of the Bible. You could search this question on YouTube and see thousands of videos that try to explain this. But here's what I want to do this morning. I want to look at Scripture that would help us unwind how God responds to prayer. But we've got to go deep. So are you guys ready to go deep this morning? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit a lot of scripture. Kudos to the guys in the booth because we got a lot of scripture to go through. But hang with me because here's the thing. We're in this series, and the series is called Asking for a Friend. And the series has been trying to answer the questions that you all submitted a couple of months ago on the questions that we should be trying to answer in church and one of the questions that you submitted is this, why doesn't God answer my question? Why did this happen? And so today, I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 15 and a couple of supporting verses to really try to understand how God responds to prayer. So Matthew chapter 15 is where we're going to land, a little bit of context. Je- Jesus is probably mid-ministry at this point. He's been doing some great things. He's preaching he's uh, healing people. It's just amazing what he's doing, but he's done it in this small area and now he's starting to travel to outside areas. And this is where we're going to pick this account up where he's starting to travel uh, to outside areas. And It says this, starting in verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman came from that vicinity, came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. But Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, I would really love to spend like the next two hours unpacking all of the nuggets when you slow this account down, that are in there, but the reality is I get about 20 more minutes, and so you're going to have to give me grace, because this is a topic that can stretch on, and people have argued about it forever, but there are, there are tips, hints, understandings in this account that will help us understand how God responds to prayer. So with that, let me pray before we even get started. So Father, we come before you today, and we thank you that you're a God that speaks, And this is a challenging topic. We're just admitting that right up top. It's a challenging topic. And so, God, we need you to help us this morning. So open our hearts, open our ears to what you'd have us to hear from you this morning. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the back of your program is a couple fill-in-the-blanks that'll help me stay on track. Here's what I want you to see. God's response to prayer is this. It's not always what we expect. I just talked about this. You can feel that in? It's not always what we expect. In verse 22, it says, A Canaanite woman came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And this was Jesus' response. He did not answer a word. We don't know a lot about this Canaanite woman, but where she was from was an unbelieving area. So likely, she didn't know everything that was going on, but the stories of Jesus and what he was doing and what he was saying was going out town to town before he got there. And she heard about Jesus. And her daughter is suffering terribly, and she traveled to go see him and cry out, Jesus, will you help me? My daughter is suffering, and Jesus is silent. I don't know about you, but when I read that account, I'm frustrated. I think, God, where is your compassion, Jesus? Like all throughout Matthew 1 through 14, we see that Jesus is compassionate, but he's absolutely silent, and there's tension in that for me. Because really, our perspective... My perspective is that when I approach God 100% of the time, 100% of the time, I want God to respond back with 100% of the way I want him to respond back, and 100% of the time in the timing, I want him to respond in. There's a lot of me in that, isn't it? And the reality is there are times that God is silent. He is not our personal prayer genie. Sometimes he answers, and the answer is an unexpected no, or the answer is silence. And that can be challenging. A number of years ago, my wife was pregnant with our daughter. And uh, while she was pregnant, my daughter was diagnosed with diaphragmatic hernia. I won't go into the details of that diagnosis, but it's a challenging diagnosis. And so we started praying. And we told other people, and they were praying. And we we knew that it was so challenging that we were going to have our daughter in Indianapolis at a hospital. And so our daughter was born and had a couple of surgeries, and people were praying, and we were praying and crying out to God. And unfortunately, after 17 days, our daughter Elizabeth passed away. That's challenging. Now, two things I want to share about that experience. The first is... That I never believed that God sent my daughter, Elizabeth, diaphragmatic hernia. John 10.10 clarifies this for us. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you look at my daughter's life for those 17 days, there was a lot of stealing, there was a lot of killing, and there was a lot of destroying. That was from the enemy. That was not from God. It says Jesus has come to give life and life in the full. The other thing, after that tragedy, I can remember in my house, in Mishawaka, in my bedroom, door closed, I'm by myself, and I am on my knees crying out to God, God, why did you not answer our prayers? Why did you not show up? I cried out to you. Other people were praying. It's a valid question. Don't let anyone tell you that you cannot cry out to God in that manner. It's biblical. If you go back to Judges chapter 6, there's a man named Gideon. Gideon's life was really challenging. People were attacking his family, his clan, people were stealing his food. And he was all alone in secret, and he was trying to prepare food so no one would steal it. And an angel of the Lord shows up. The Lord himself shows up beside Gideon and says, Gideon, I am with you, mighty warrior. He literally says, I'm right here. And this is Gideon's response. In Judges chapter 6, it says this. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? we are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. That's a raw response. Gideon's response to the Lord is, You've abandoned us. But the reality is the Lord was next to him. When I was down on my knees crying out because my daughter died of a terrible disease and I had prayed before that, God was near. He understood the pain. He was not leaving me alone. I was not abandoned. And too often we believe that when we don't get the perfect answer to prayer, that God has abandoned us, yet he is right beside us, loving us, understanding us, hearing us. He's not far away. He's close. And the Canaanite woman in this account, she is crying out because her daughter is suffering. And Jesus isn't answering, but he's close. So she leans in further into silence to try to get him to respond. Matthew 15, 25 says this. The man, the woman, came and knelt before him. She changed her posture. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Whoa. That is an unexpected response. I could go on a tangent on this to try to break out why did Jesus call this woman essentially a dog. But what I want to tell you is it's an unexpected response. And it's an unexpected No. I have received unexpected no's in my life. 100% of the time when I pray, I do not get a yes. So sometimes I get a no. And so when I looked at this account of Jesus giving her an unexpected answer, giving her a no, I wanted to go on a journey. Why does God give us no's? And I want to make this practical. So I'm going to give you five things. There's five fill in the blanks. Don't come up to me later and say, Steve, there's like 12. Yeah, I know there's more, but these are five ways that are scriptural that will give us something to grab onto when we cry out to God, God, why are you not answering? Why did you say no? These are five things that will help us understand why we have unanswered prayer. The first one is this, unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin. There are scriptures after each of these fill-in-the-blanks, your homework today, oh, there's homework, is to go home and read the verses that I listed beside it. But here's one, Micah 3, 4 says this, Then they'll cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. And that time he will hide his face from them because of the evil that they have done. If you're in the middle of, of sin and you know because you can feel it, this is not right. This is not right. I should not be doing this. But you're back in that loop of sin and the enemy's locked you in that. That is a way that God will say, I'm not answering that. You got to clean that up. We, ha- we are called to repent, turn away from sin, and turn towards God. So unrepentant sin. The next one is this, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Oh, I've got a hair that's going to bother me. Sorry. Squirrel. Unforgiveness. Matthew 11:25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anyone, anything against anyone. I must say that one again. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone. Forgive them so that your Father in heaven might forgive your sins. If I'm praying for someone, but I hold something against them because they were knucklehead, they hurt me in the past, but I'm still, it is the best approach to forgive them completely because I think God then hears you and will answer. Next one, your potential response. Do you know that God realizes what you're going to do after he answers your prayer? James 4.3, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you spend it on your own pleasures. It's no wonder that prayer of, God, I want to win the lottery hasn't been answered. Right? He knows what you're going to spend. He knows what you're going to spend your time on. He knows what you're going to spend, whatever the answer. He knows, that's why God sometimes doesn't answer. Or what about this one? God's got a plan and it's not yours. Boy, that's convicting to me. Because many times I will be praying, and I will be praying a lot of the stuff that I want in my plan. i got a lot of plans. Second Corinthians, I'm going to pick back up where Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. Right before that, it says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what the prayer life of Paul was, but I wonder if he ever said, God, I am conceited. Would you give me a thorn? He prayed three times for the thorn to go away, but God had a plan. I'll give you a a, a bonus verse on this. We should be praying whatever God's will is to be done. Jesus, before he was crucified, was in a garden. About, he knew what was in front of him. He knew that it was going to be painful. Yet he prays this Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. God has a plan, and it's not yours many times. The last one the enemy is real. There's an enemy. It's an enemy of our soul. The enemy would love nothing more than to create division between God and us. Here's 1 Thessalonians 2.18. For we wanted to come to you, this is Paul writing, for we wanted to come to you Again and again, but Satan blocked our way. There is an enemy of our soul that can block our way at things. He loves to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes that interrupts those prayers. There are many reasons for silence from God. I would love to have answers to my prayers in the way that I want them, but the reality is God's response to prayer is not always what we expect. When I look further at this Canaanite woman, what I see is God's response to prayer is moved by faith that contends. It's a weird way to put it, but I'm going to unpack what that means. It's moved by faith that contends. The Canaanite woman gets a no from Jesus, gets called a dog, essentially, by Jesus. The very person that she has heard heals that can be helpful to her daughter continues to say no, but you know what? She doesn't give up. Look at this. He responded, it's not right to give the children bread, toss it to the dogs, but look what she does, verse 27. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's talking to Jesus. That is Aggressive. She is not backing down. She is contending. She's not quitting. Here's what contending means. Contending means that you are on a campaign to get to the win. We're in a presidential campaign. If you didn't know, we're in the middle of a presidential campaign. You don't see our presidential candidates just lighting off one commercial and then you never hear from them again. But boy, wouldn't that be great, right? They are on a campaign. They're relentlessly going until they get what they want, and they all want to win, and so it's just pressing in and pressing in and pressing in, and that's what a campaign is, and that's contending. That's what I see this Canaanite woman doing. She is on a campaign to get her daughter free. If you really slow this story down, And pay attention to what the text says. Here's what she does. She leaves her home because she's heard a story or accounts about Jesus. She may not know exactly who he is, but she's leaving where she lived to go find this man. Because he might be able to help. She cries out. Not just once, because once got her silence. She cries out so much that the disciples are annoyed. They're like, Jesus, you've got to answer her because she is driving us crazy. She falls to her knees. She, she changes her posture, falls to her knees and says, Lord, help me. She changes her prayer. And she pushes back because she knows Jesus can help. That's contending for an answer. That's the prayer life that I want to have. I want to contend in prayer. But too often, I'm just being transparent, too often when I sit down and I pray, it's one and done. It's, oh, I've prayed for this three or four times, but I'm just gonna move on. I get frustrated, I get tired, I don't get the answer I want, and so I just shift it to the side, and I'm off to the next thing. I don't contend. I want to share this quote from E.M. Bounds. You probably don't know who E.M. Bounds was, but he was a lawyer in the early 1900s. He was a man of prayer. Even though he was busy in his legal practice, he would pray and pray and pray, and God would show up. Revival actually started around EM Bounds. He wrote nine books on prayer. One of his quotes that I love that fits so well in this message is this. He said, I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they don't wait long enough for God. They just drop down, say a few words, then jump up and forget it, and expect God to answer them. Such praying always reminds me of the small boy ringing his neighbor's doorbell And then running away as fast as he can go. Michael Schwartz, he's on staff. We were talking about this quote, and he said, It's like playing ding dong ditch with God. Do you remember what ding dong ditch is? You run over to your neighbor's house, ring the doorbell, and then you jump in the ditch. Don't do that with God. It's so convicting to me. I'm not perfect in this, but here's the reality I do not want to be one prayer away from a breakthrough. Let me say it again. I don't want to be one prayer away from a breakthrough. Do you know how many opportunities this woman had to just give up and go back home? At least four. She could have quit and just gone back home, and she did not. And that's what it says in Scripture, that we should contend. Look at this, Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Many of us are okay with that because it's asking once. But it goes on, it says, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. That's regularly, God, I need this. God, I need that. Come on, God. I'm trying in this season to significantly imp- increase my prayer life, to learn how to contend in different ways. And when I was sharing that earlier with some folks, they were like, well, what does that look like practically? And, and so I want to give you uh, a couple of thoughts. First... The thought is we're actually changing a fit class in two weeks to hopefully answer some of that question. What does it look like to pray for an hour or to pray for two hours? I'm a busy person. I know you're busy as well, but how do you actually do it? And so on October 6th for an hour, 7 to 8 o'clock, we're actually going to talk to people that are trying to contend in prayer. What does that look like? How do you even do it? So there's a sign up at the Resource Center if that's of interest to you. Another thing I would say if you're wondering, how do I even contend, is to do this. Look at this woman. She leaves her house. She changed her location. She cries out multiple times. She changes her posture from standing up to leaning down. She changes her prayer from heal my daughter to help me. Those are all hints and tips how to contend in prayer. And Jesus' response when she does this is, Woman, you have great faith. That's what Jesus said to her. You have great faith. And so I want to look at that because part of, all throughout Scripture it says we should pray in faith. And there's been so, there's been just tragic teaching on this. Praying in faith, what does this mean? I want to look at this in two places. James 1, 5 through 7. It says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given, but let him ask in faith. What about this? Matthew twenty one twenty one. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Faith, praying in faith. What does that mean? Here's what praying in faith means it means that you know who God is. Do we know who God is? Do we know who God is? is? Do we have a relationship enough that we'll open up our Bible and realize he wants to have a relationship with us? Do we realize this is how he answered prayer in the past? These are the promises that he says he will give us. This is his nature. This is his love. Do we know God? Faith is knowing God and knowing what he can do and contending in prayer and then submitting to his will. Submitting to the outcome. There's tension in that. Do you see the tension? God, I, I read this. You did it in the past. You said, God, that you will do this in the future, and so I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray differently. I'm going to contend, but I'm going to submit to your will. Personally, there's tension in that. I've got a couple of people that I've been praying for that have a terminal disease, and I'm praying because I know that God can heal. I know God can do The miracle. And so I'm contending. I've been praying for revival in this city. I'm contending. I have not seen the answer yet, but I'm contending because I have faith that God can do it. I want to stick with it because that's what Scripture says. And the Canaanite woman, she stuck with it. Crying out, falling to her knees, changing her prayers. And this is what Jesus responded with. He said, woman, you you have great faith. And then this last sentence, her daughter was healed at that moment. God's response to prayer may not always be what we expect, but it is moved by faith That contends. And so I want to ask you one question, and it's a fill in the blank. It's the last fill in the blank today, and it's this What am I contending for in prayer? What am I contending for in prayer? What are you contending for in prayer? I want to be a church that prays, not one and done, a church that contends like this woman in this account did. God's response to prayer is not always what we expect, but is moved by faith that contends. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. There's two opportunities to respond today. We have a prayer team that would love to pray for you. If you've never taken advantage of that, all you have to do is sit in the front row. Prayer team person will ask you, what can I pray for? And they will pray their best prayers. What I want to do with a group of people, uh, trying to think if I want to do this. Let's do it this way. No, let's do it that way. If you have something that you have not gotten an answer for and you have stopped praying, you might have even said, I give up. I'm just tired of praying that. I want to pray for you up here before you leave for service. So with that, let me close and pray. So Father, we thank you that you are a God who calls us to contend, that you are a God that speaks. And God, I pray today that when we walk out of here, this scripture, this example by this Canaanite woman doesn't fall from our minds or our hearts, that we'll continue to press in individually as a church to prayer, to contend for your promises. So help us to wake up earlier. Help us to stay up later. Whatever it is, God, help us. Remind us to contend. Because we know that you love us. I pray that in Jesus.